Hey, everyone. Hi. Hello. Welcome to another episode of Alice. Hey, now. Greg, what are you doing here? Hey, what do you mean? What I, Allison, where do you, you come from, Greg? I came from the world of childish, and I just want to make sure that your listeners know that you're just as wonderful on the on the other podcast you do. What if they don't have kids? Don't need them. You don't need them. A lot of our listeners actually tell us they don't have kids. We talk about sex. We talk about all sorts of dirty stuff, but also parenting stuff. Yeah, so. Check out Childish, new episodes every Wednesday, wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey everyone, hi, hello, welcome to another episode of Allison Rosen is your new best friend. I'm excited to have this particular guest on today. It is someone I like very much, although I don't get a chance to talk to as much as I wish, so we're going to make up for that now. It is Travis McElroy, one of the hosts of the hugely popular My Brother, My Brother and Me. He's actually part of a podcasting empire. Altogether, they have, I don't know, 47,000 podcasts. Something like that. Give it's t- forty seven thousand and one, <laughs> but that's fine. It's fine. Yeah, I'm not going to hold that again. No, we've actually cut back a lot now. Well, at least I a lot of that to me. There was a period where I was like putting out twenty eight episodes of something a month. Wow. Um, and now I have two kids, so I don't. I don't do that anymore. I'm now down to like three full-time podcasts where there was a time where I was doing like eight or nine. I remember when you came on my show, I believe you were talking about having gotten into podcasting and the things that you loved about podcasting. And you were saying one of the things you liked was like, you can just get an idea and then just do it. Like get an idea for a show and then do it. And uh, it did seem like you would get an idea for a show and then launch it. Oh, yeah, 100%. Well, it's a thing of like, you know, like with an author, right? You have an idea for a book and you write it and then you're done and it doesn't work the same with podcast. Like I, I wish I could go back in time to young Travis and say, what about like a limited run podcast? (laughs) Why don't you just do like six episodes? What? Uh, So, yeah. So now uh, it also was like there were podcasts that I was doing like for a job and then there are podcasts I was doing that I was like, this is fun. Mm-hmm. But like that makes sense when your job is like podcasting, right? Or like writing or acting. But you wouldn't do that if you were like a bartender. You wouldn't be like, yeah, they pay me for this one. But sometimes I just go into a bar and make <laughs> drinks because I love it. <laughs> right. Yeah, I know. I feel like entertainment and art is maybe the only uh, type of business where you're expected it's more people feel like it's more pure if you're doing it for the love of it and not for money yeah dude think about that in terms of like a stand-up comic right of like yeah your job stand up and uh, but it's like it would be weird if you were at home and someone says tell me a joke and you're like no i only do that for money right and it's like whoa i just asked you to tell me that like i man it must be like that though if you're like a baker or like a painter or something and a friend of yours is like hey could you make me something and you're like Oh, oh my dear! Like I can't just lightly paint you a painting, right. and I know you're not going to pay me for it, right? Yeah, so I've cut back a lot now. Uh so you have a three-year-old and a one—no, three-year-old and a six-month-old. 
Is that right? Yeah, close. So, so uh, five months old. I man, what day is it? It's so about four. Wait, let's see. January to February, February, March, March, April. Four month old. Okay. Four month old daughter. Dot. Uh, short for Dorothy Madeline McElroy. Lovely. And then uh, like a three and a half year old uh, BB, short for Barbara Lee McElroy. So how is it going? I also have two children uh, almost the same ages. And yeah. um, it's t- this this lockdown is tough with little kids. I'm tough. Finding. It is tough indeed. Um, you know, the thing is, is like a lot of it. I've been doing a lot of teleconferencing mm. with my therapist. Um, the the thing is, is like the problem is the three and a, amazingly the four month old, not that big a challenge. Right. You know, it's like all things considered, she doesn't know the difference. She's you know, it's a baby. Babies mm. are tough. It's fine, whatever. But the three and a half year old, like we we go on adventures and you know with the nature of my job with like we travel a lot and go to live shows and stuff and even though it's only been like seven weeks there's like three trips that were canceled in there mm-hmm. right that she was going to go on and like we have you know annual passes to like the children's museum and like the zoo and we try to go someplace at least once a week if not like more and now suddenly like we're not going anywhere and she understands hypothetically why. But then, like, every day, she's like, is the sickness done? Can oh. we go now? And the thing is, is the the what my therapist was telling me, at least, I don't claim to be, uh, like, a child psychology expert, but what my therapist was telling me is, like, at, at this age, it's really easy to trick yourself into thinking that they understand more than they do mm-hmm. or that they are retaining more than they do. Because, like, BB loves asking questions and that's such a great quality that I really, really uh, am, am proud of. But also, some days, it's like, I don't know, just shut up and watch Frozen. Why are you asking me about Frozen? You've seen Frozen 5,000 times. Yes. You know it better than I do. Shut up. Yeah. And so, yeah. And there are date like, the reason I was talking to my therapist about it was, like, this feeling of, like, is she testing me? Because there would be moments where, like, she would say something or do something where I'd be like, are you fucking with me? Are you? <laughs> like, hey, right. Like what's an example what? of that? Um, like there will be days where like, so uh, it's happened today. She asked me, so in Animal Crossing, there are fossils. And every time I dig up a fossil, she asked me where fossils come from. And so today I laboriously walked her through it. <laughs> and I was like, so a long time, like starting with like a long time ago, there were dinosaurs. Then I walked her through like the, why the meteors, like the meteor hit the earth and it, like how it made the sky dark. And so then the plants didn't grow. So then the dinosaurs didn't have anything to eat. So then they died. So then when their bodies were buried, their bones eventually turned into fossils. And now we dig up fo- like probably I spent 10 minutes explaining it to her. And then she goes, okay, where do fossils come from? And I was like, mm, are you? <laughs> oh. And this is also like, there will be nights where like I go, to, Teresa and I take turns putting her to bed. Mm-hmm. And there are nights where she looks at me and she's like, I want mommy to put me to bed. I like mommy best. And I'm just like, are you fucking with? Like, are you trying to like upset me right now? And the answer is no. Like she's not doing it on her, but it's so easy to project on to that of just like 
Are you challenge? Are you testing me mm-hmm. to see how I react to this? Is this a test? Right. That's the thing I feel in parents. I don't know. I I think everyone does. Where it's just like, is this the moment where if I answer incorrectly or behave incorrectly? I fuck up my kid forever, right? right? Is this it where it's just like, if I lose my temper right here in 18 years, they won't talk to me again. Like I, and I have no idea. I have no idea. I, uh, the example I gave is it's like putting together a jigsaw puzzle in the dark mm-hmm. where it's just yeah. like, you won't know if you did it right till you till much later. Right. Um, it's actually making me feel a ton better hearing you talk oh, about all this stuff because Elliot is pretty much, he's, um, he turned three in February, and he is in a very, very similar phase, especially with the questions, asking stuff that like we like. I've heard I heard Daniel say like, you know what blue is, or <laughs> right, like what's yes. that? Why? And also, um, just recently, I and I've been kind of amazed at my at that this is happening. He has adopted this tone of voice, which makes me, I feel like. I feel like I'm being bullied. I mean, I say that yeah. kind of jokingly because obviously I'm not really being bullied by my three-year-old, but he'll be like, what are you doing? What do you mean? And yeah. it, like, it makes me flinch a tiny bit. And then I have to kind of remember the dynamic, but I feel like I've been joking. This is like, a he thing. Has, he's yes. got my number already. Yeah, this is a thing, dude, where BB will occasionally like ask me a question and I'll say, I don't know. And she'll go, tell me. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, uh, and it's like, I feel like my tiny boss is yelling at yes. me, right? Or I'm just like, yes. uh, I don't know, Miss BB. I'll figure it out, please. Right, <laughs> right. Like he'll be like, mommy, now. And if I don't have, if I'm tired and I don't sort of have all my parenting wits about me, I'll just be like, yes, sorry. And then I have to remember not to do that. But I think I, I have this idea in my head that like, I can't always let him call the shots. Like with a toddler, you can't, you know, they need limits and you have to be the one who's making the choices and for the most part. So I'm always worried about if I say, okay, honey, you know, in two minutes, we're going to do this. And then he, you know, do I like how strictly do I have to hold, like how much do I have to follow through? And then I sort of had this realization, which I hope is right, which is the truth is he is a child. I am an adult. He doesn't have control over anything. I don't think yeah. a few times where I'm lenient is going to fuck him, where I'm extra lenient is going to fuck him up, you know? Yeah, I, I think that's it. Because that's the thing is like what I'm tr- keep my my logical brain keeps telling me like it's a composite of all these things added together. Yeah. It is not like there was one crucial moment where you made her go to bed on time instead of letting her stay up with you and watch TV. And that's why she hates you. <laughs> there will be plenty of good reasons in the future why she hates me. Um, I mean, there's 500 plus episodes of my brother, my brother and me where I just say really dumb stuff. <laughs> She'll be embarrassed by me for tons of reasons. But like, I, this is a thing of like one, one of the things I realized is like it is important when you are wrong to apologize to your kid. Like, because sometimes I overreact, mm-hmm. or like the other day, she had this like miniature baseball bat, you know, like one of the like novelty ones. And I, it was mine that I'd actually gotten for her to give to her when she was older, but she picked it up and she said, Can I play with this? And I said, You can, but. If you swing it at anything or swing it at the dogs or swing it at anyone, I'm going to take it away. And for weeks, it was fine. Like, she would just, like, hold it and, like, march with it or whatever. Right. And then one night, 
our bigger dog, Lily, like came over to like sniff the couch and BB was kind of waving her hands with the bat in her hand and she hit a glass that was on the table and broke the glass. And like my adrenaline spiked because I was instantly like glass on the floor, glass on the mm-hmm. couch. Here's my toddler. What is happening? What do I do? And so I was like instantly mad. And then I felt terrible because like she was scared too. She didn't do it on purpose. She wasn't trying to like Hulk smash the glass or whatever. And so like I apologized to her and explained like, I'm sorry that I got upset. I was worried and I was afraid you might get hurt. And like it was fun. Like it was one of those things where I don't think like I, you know, now she's the alpha or whatever. Like I think <laughs> it was just a moment of like, yeah, you know what? Like I screwed up. But on the other hand, there's another side of it where like, Man, this happened the other day. Like, she was bossing the dogs around, I think, or something. And we we said, like, you're not their boss. Mm. And then, like, an hour later, we told her to do something. And she said, you're not my boss. (laughs) And I was like, well, actually, I am. Mommy and daddy are your boss. And it's like, we didn't say it like that, but, like. How do you explain to her? She's not in charge, but we are in charge. There, there, it's not. This is not a world where no one's in charge. Right. It's just that you're not in charge, but I am in charge. But I don't want to say because I'm your dad. That's why. Right. But I don't. I don't know how to explain to you because I have life experiences that allow me to make decisions that are much safer and healthier than the decisions you would make. Yeah, I think that'd be beyond her. Although tempting to just put it that way. How is she doing with? Having a baby sister. Oh, she adores. She adores Dot, and okay. Dot adores her. Where we've we've hit the point of like facial recognition mm-hmm. stuff. So like anytime BB looks at Dot, Dot breaks into this big smile, Aww. and like BB every so often will just start going through a toy chest, pulling out twice and going, and I'll share this with her, and I'll share this with her, and I'll share like man, and man, I wish I could take some credit for that, but it's all Daniel Tiger, Daniel Tiger, <laughs> that fool is like a guidebook. There's like a whole like six episode arc where Daniel gets a new baby sister. And it's like all about like uh, things may change and there's time for you and baby two. And like when a baby makes things different, find a way to make things fun. And it's like all about educating the kid on like what it's going to be like and how to be a good big sister or brother or big sibling. And like... She, like, will sing those songs and reference that, and, like, there has never been... All of the jealousy and stuff was completely subconscious. It was all, like, Baby Dot would be sitting on Mommy's lap while we were eating dinner, and BB, like, was like, oh, can I sit in your lap? And it's like, nope. And she wasn't mad at Baby Dot. She just didn't understand why she, a fully grown, like, child, Mm -hmm. not fully grown, you know what I mean, a, a capable, independent child wasn't also able to sit on Mommy's lap while baby was there too but like right. it was never like animosity towards baby dot or oh, whatever good yeah we i think the biggest area where i potentially overreact or feel my adrenaline spike or lose my temp lose, say lose my temperature lose my temper uh who knows lose your lose religion my temperature yeah. too. i get a yeah. little i get a little heated um yes. so owen is they both have birthdays in February. So he turned one in February and he is almost walking. Um, but he's like cruising. So, you know, walking around with his hands on furniture and stuff and he'll be playing with a toy. And then Elliot will be like, no, that's mine. And he'll pull it away from him or he'll just push Owen. Like if Owen gets too close to him, he pushes him away. He's also, there's also times where he's very sweet and in general he is sweet, but it's this particularly, um, fights about 
the two of them being in the same space and my being oh, yeah. worried that Owen that he's going to hurt Owen um but also this awareness that he has no impulse control so I can say right. it till I'm blue in the face but I don't I feel like I'm not getting through and it was actually my husband who was like cuz I was talking to him about feeling bad that I had had overreacted and um he was like you have to remember you know, not to take it personally, because I think that yeah. initially I went into it like he's not listening to me when I'm begging him not to do this. And and it's not about me. I think that was like my own sort of yeah. parenting ego getting in there. Yes, this is like that is exactly what like because what my my therapist and I talk about. Right. Because like we have two dogs and Buttercup, the smaller dog, BB, like gets along with Gray. Like Buttercup is just so passive and just so like submissive and eager to please and lily is like 65 pounds and she's just like a big old glute who has no (laughs) idea how big she is and like like if she walks by the coffee table she'll knock everything off it with her tail like she's just Mm -hmm. a big old shrek is she the second one or the first one she is yeah and and she's a sweetheart she just has no idea how big she is and so like she'll walk over the couch and just look at bb and if it's the evening when everybody's a little tired and grumpy, BB will instantly like start pushing her away yeah. or like pushing her with her feet. And like, they, or like BB, like uh, Lily will look at a toy that BB was just playing with and it's like a whole thing. And we have had so many like, do not push the dog. Yeah. And like, there is no amount of like tone raising or like time outing or anything. That like seems to make that stick, and like I was talking with the therapist, like I feel bad yelling at her, but I get just get so frustrated because like it's, she's not, she knows not to do it, and my therapist's like, ah, she doesn't know not to do it. She is not connected. Mm-hmm. She knows she gets in trouble for it, but she does not have the like, you know what? I shouldn't do this. Like she's not thinking that. You know, she's not supposed to do that, but she only knows after the fact like oh right yes okay sorry i would and she'll do that once you say something she goes oh sorry and like you're like i appreciate the sorry but just don't do it next time but like it's still it's this like cumulative learning thing right where one day she'll go to do it and go oh you know what and so it's actually i'm kind of in a way glad that we're kind of like play testing it on the dog because it's like i'd much rather you push our 65 pound dog than like your 15 pound right. one year old little sister or whatever. And we also have had the benefit of like, um, in uh, our family all tends to travel together doing the live shows. And so like Charlie is like five years old. That's Justin's oldest daughter. And then the next is BB. And then Henry, who is Griffin's son, who is like one month younger than BB. And then Cooper, who is Justin's youngest daughter, who is like two now. And then. There's Isabel, who is my niece on Teresa's side of the family, who's like one and a half. And now there's baby Dot, who's like four months old. So we have this like whole like evolution of man style of like, <laughs> let's learn how to interact with an older kid. Now let's learn how to interact with a kid your own age. Now let's learn how to interact with a younger kid. Now let's learn how to interact with a much younger kid. And so like she gets to like practice this mm-hmm. with all of them. So that's helped too. So how are your spirits? Uh, mostly bourbon, but sometimes I do scotch too. <laughs> Thank you. I'll be here all night. Uh, no, I, you know, I'm doing good. Um, my, my job is already like work from home, uh, all done. Do, like I, 
I was already good at Zoom calls long before we ever started this whole thing. Um, and it, I, I, you know, it also, maybe this is counterintuitive, but it also is become a benefit to have this like four month olds. Cause it's like, well, we are already going to be pretty like focused on her and pretty like stay at home for a while. And it's like giving me this, this like focus mm-hmm. of just like, because basically our, our parenting style is like divide and conquer. And so like, I've been spending a lot of time with BB and Teresa spends a lot of time with dot and then we'll switch. Um, that said, like we had to cancel just a shitload of stuff. Right. I'm just like, like, and, and here's what I'll say before I get too deep down, you know, uh, is that all the stuff we had to cancel was like business stuff. It was like, you know, revenue generating and stuff but like i know people are like out of work and like schools are closed and that's way worse um but like there were tours that i was really looking forward to and like this this one is going to make me sound like a bourgeois celebrity (laughs) (laughs) but uh san diego comic-con got canceled and that's like one i look forward to every year um because like going to cons is like twofold great from well threefold and that sometimes i make money at them but as someone who works from home and like 90% of the time my shows are recorded in front of a computer, getting to like interact with the audience is great and getting to interact with other creators is great. And it makes me feel connected again Mm -hmm. to like people and like re grounds me again in like, I am a creator just like this person's a creator and I get to talk to people about, you know, the show and like see them face to face and learn names and that kind of thing. And so, like, losing out on that for the last two months, especially as, like, we're starting, this is, like, main con season, um, and not knowing, like, and what does it look like for the next three months? What's it look like for the next six? What's it look like for the next year? Um, is It's a level of uncertainty that I'm really uncomfortable with, uh, and that's usually where my anxiety comes from, is uncertainty. Uh, and, and the way I normally work around that one of my coping mechanisms is like scheduling things and saying like well i i may be uncertain right now but i know in two months i'm doing this thing and then in three months i'm doing that and like that's all out the window uh but uh all in all you know i i I feel lucky that my spirits are good and i don't a hundred percent know why Mm -hmm. i mean a big part of it's lexapro uh yeah lexapro helps um and you know, I'm I what another unforeseen benefit is like because now I have a three and a half year old and a four month old, I'm tired all the time, so I'm sleeping fine. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the the baby wake up. Basically, the deal Teresa and I have woke, uh, worked out is like you know she gets up in the middle of the night to to breastfeed and feed the baby, and then in the morning. I get up with BB when she wakes up at like eight and Teresa gets to like sleep in to like 10 or 10 30 or mm-hmm. whatever. So I'm sleeping most nights from like 11 to eight. That's nice. Um, and, and I mean, it's not always great sleep. Um, but I also feel that I, I, I think I'm able to see that my situation is maybe a little more steady than a lot of people's. Mm-hmm. And so it's mostly trying to find. I don't know, ways to raise money for people or entertain people or 
I don't know, just not get too far up my own butthole thinking I have it the worst. <laughs> um, and, and that's not, that's not me saying I'm in any way like in denial or deflecting. Like if I was feeling bad, trust me, I'd tell you, but it's mostly just like, you know, my life has been uncertain before, uh, and it will be uncertain again. And if that's like the biggest problem I have is like, I don't know if I'll get to go to a convention again in six months, then I don't really have it that bad off. How are you? How are you doing? Well, let me ask you a question first and then I'll answer. Um, Wait, why do you feel like being bummed out about not getting to go to Comic-Con is a bougie celebrity thing? Well, you know, the thing is, is that is not my worst thing, right? Like, that's a thing that I'm sad. Like, for example, I'm sad I don't get to go see movies. Not that I was doing that a ton anyways. But you had the option. But, like... Yeah, that was a thing of like for a while because like BB is a great napper. Mm-hmm. Um, and so before Baby Dot was around, like we could like say, well, we know Baby Dot or BB is going to be napping from like three to five thirty. And so there's a movie playing at three fifteen that I'm just going to go sit in the theater by myself and watch so I can go see the movie and I'll be back at five when she gets up. I'm like, haven't been able to do that and like going to restaurants and stuff but like the worst thing because i don't know what the long-term repercussions are going to be is with bb we were traveling with her at like two months old like she was on a plane ride for the first time i think at like three um and like we were doing live shows and putting her down in hotel rooms and she was like going out to restaurants with her and so like even now she's really well accustomed to travel because she can sleep basically anywhere and like she's really well behaved at restaurants and stuff. And right now we're four months into Baby Dot, and we haven't been able to like start doing the same process with her. Mm-hmm. So it's like I I don't know when she's going to get to fly for the first time, for example. You know what I mean? And then like I'm a big fan of like starting early, so that by the time she even knows it's going on, she's just used to it happening. So was and, there like, never a rough? Because we have taken Elliot on two flights, Owen on one. And Elliot was almost two the first time we flew, and it was a true nightmare. Well, I've never had a problem. Really? Okay, BB, so it's just BB getting has, used to it. BB has probably flown 10 times a year, like two and fourth, since she was born. Okay. Like, she like she and Teresa went on, like, once she was, like, old enough, when she was, like, three months old, on, like, every live show tour mm-hmm. with me. And, like, for the long time, she would just, like, sleep. You know, like, basically, we'd start feeding her out of a bottle as soon as the plane was taking off, and then she'd just sleep the whole time with the rumble, right. you know, the and then she would just sleep, and then she would wake up when we were landing. Uh, and now, like, you'll just sit and give her, like, headphones and an iPad, and she, for hours, will just, like, watch something. Right. Uh, and, like, she, her favorite thing is, like, flying now, and, like, so she is, like, bumped out. She, in uh, Animal Crossing, there's, like, an airport that, like, you walk through to get on a plane, but she'll make me sit in the airport <laughs> chairs and wait for the air, for the airplane, because, like, that's what you do at airports. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, she'll sit there with, like, her bag of Cheez-Its and, like, her, you know, apple juice uh, on the plane and just, like, watch TV for hours. Oh, um, cute. And it's, like, I, I I have so many pictures of her. She'll also sit there, and she likes to sit there and read the uh, safety manual with all the pictures. <laughs> and she'll just like, oh, they're on the slide. Uh, and I have like so many pictures of her just like sitting there reading the manual. <laughs> um, oh, but cute. and we haven't been able to do with that with with Baby Dot. And you know, there's also like the worry of like Teresa is asthmatic, so she's in like an increased risk group and stuff like that. So when I say 
that like missing Comic Con is like I'm missing it because like I don't get to see my friends and I don't get to go feel famous and important and like it's it's a an anchor point in my year of like this is a time where it's not just me sitting as I am now in my home office mm-hmm. talking into a microphone thinking I'm I'm somebody, right? Like it's a chance for me to go out and be like, "Oh, I am somebody." This is not it's good like Yeah, this is, is really all, forcing, it's all psyche. forcing us to contend with not relying on that kind of external validation. Yeah, dude. And in in one way, I think it's like for so I do childish with Greg Fitzsimmons and he keeps describing it as being liberating because there's no such thing as FOMO anymore. And yeah. I have not had that experience of it. For me, it's just a sort of slow seeping low level depression that it creates. Yeah. Because I feel like uh and this is a um it's not a bougie celebrity thing, but it's just a bougie person thing, I think. Or let me rephrase. What I mean by that is... I miss like, the caviar parties. Yeah. When can we have the caviar parties again? What's the point again? of having diamonds if no one's going to see them sparkle? Exactly. <laughs> um, like you, I also recognize that I am very, very lucky. You know, just... I'm, I'm jumping all over the place, but I read this article, or rather I read this headline, because that's like pretty much as much as I can do yeah. these days, that um, a lot of people right now don't know if they have the right to their own feelings because everyone is aware that right now someone else out there has it worse. And so, uh, you know, all of us are feeling this sort of, and all these different emotions because of what's going on, but like wondering, is it okay? You know, is it okay to admit to these negative feelings? So anyway, I'm going to admit to some negative feelings now. Um, I was just thinking last night, like, I am very happy with my life. I'm happy with my husband. I'm happy with my children. I'm happy with my podcast. I'm happy with my house. All these things are good. So what is this sort of like on on discomfort that I'm feeling? Is it, is it anxiety from not knowing what's going on or is it that my world suddenly feels very small and I want more? Is it like... I don't right now I don't have that dream of all these things could be in the future. I feel like right now yeah. I have to be like this what if this is it for me? Well, I think in some form and I now I'm going to uh uh talk out of my ass for a moment. Please. Um I think in some form everyone is kind of feeling the same thing, which is what this self-isolation has done for a lot of people is removed context. Yeah. is So whether you are like someone like me who is used to doing live shows and conventions where you stand in front of a crowd or you are shaking hands or you are like a teacher who is used to going in every morning and standing in front of your class or you are a bartender who is used to like, you know, slinging drinks and like talking to the people, whatever. For the right? love of it. For the love of serving For drinks. the love of it. Just for free. <laughs> but like that you – you see yourself that way you you with that data point right you have connected all of these things so that you understand contextually your identity you are yeah yes right and 
I don't think it is abnormal, and in fact, I think it's completely normal, that without context, everyone feels disconnected. Yes. Right? And so, like, the thing is, is right now, I'm still technically doing the same job I was doing, but without these connection points, without this context of, like, I don't have the thing that says, oh, this is why. Mm -hmm. This is what may... Because... Right, like, what is all this rolling toward right now? Right. That's how Like, for example, if you're a teacher, right, and you're not going into class and teaching, I I mean, I guess maybe this doesn't apply the same because most of them are doing the online streaming. No, but I take take calls from people, and we had a teacher call in and say that she feels like she's just putting it out into the ether. Teaching right. on Zoom. It's weird. Exactly. And so that's the thing is if you're a teacher who's not teaching, are you a teacher? Mm-hmm. If you're an actor who's not acting, are you an actor? If you are a performer who's not performing, are you like if you're a painter who's not painting, are you a painter? Right. right? But like we're these- podcasters who are still podcasting and yet it still feels weird. Well, because I think Well, I normally I think- have in person guests. So for me it's this is right. different. But you normally do it this way. Well, I mean, and it's for me, it's like, that's why I, bec- I I rely on the conventions and live show. I mean, we do live show tours at least once a month. We had two scheduled in April that we right. had to cancel. And so, like, I'm, I, between conventions and live shows, like, usually two weekends a month, I'm interacting with uh, either my family, other creators, or the audience, or whatever, right? That's like, oh, this is why I do what I do. I like making people laugh. I like, you know, hearing from people about, like, their experience with the show, or, like, seeing people in cosplay, or just, like, being in a room full of, like, you know, convention goers who are excited about a thousand things on the show floor. Like, those things energize me. Mm-hmm. And... And also, frankly, the thing about FOMA that you mentioned earlier is, like, for me, at least professionally, FOMO is, to me, aspirational. Mm -hmm. Of, like, somewhere there's something going on that I'm not a part of. How do I get there? Right. Right? And so, like, it gives me stuff to do. And, I mean, like, that was the whole deal. That was the whole thing we did with, like, Trolls World Tour is, like... And, okay, that's a great example. That was, like, right off the bat of, like... Trolls World Tour, right, was, like, the campaign we did for three years to get into that movie. <laughs> and then we got in, right? And that how whole did, time... How did that happen? Dude, it's, like, whole, it's a whole thing. So, basically, we started the podcast, the McElroy Brothers will be in Trolls World Tour. And then, like, pretty early on, without telling us, our agent, like, contacted them and started the ball rolling. And so we campaigned really hard, and then, like, we met with them, and they liked us. And so then they, like, kept us in mind, and then we just read a bunch of different parts, and they gave us each, like, one line. Uh, But the thing is, is we had, like, tickets to the premiere, and we were going to get to sit in, like, the main theater and walk the red carpet and do the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And it was canceled. And it was, like, this thing of, like, a culmination of three years of work that I was really looking forward to of, like... How weird is it that I'm going to be in the same room as, like, Justin Timberlake and Anna Kendrick and, like, this is going to be bonk and, like, walking a red carpet for a thing I'm in? Like, this is going to be ridiculous. And yeah. I didn't get to do it. And, like, so there was a lot of disappointment there of just these things. And, like, once again, this is not me denying my own feelings. This is me having worked through those feelings of, like, when it comes down to it, 
that's not my worst. That's not the worst, and it's not my worst thing coming out of this, mm-hmm. right? But, like, those are things I can't get back. Those are things, they're, like, and, you know, I think that that is something that in some way, there there's three, I'll tell you my biggest, here's the worst to me, right? Here's what I think is the actual grand scheme of things, my worst. Like I was saying, the effect on, on Baby Dot, like, that's kind of a microcosm of it, which is, like, right now, I am old enough that I am thinking about this in terms of in what way is this, like, shaping me? Mm-hmm. And then in what way will that and her going through it, is that shaping BB? And in what way will that shape her kids? Mm-hmm. Right? Because I think about, like, people who live through the Great Depression and, like, how their kid, like, there are people's, my friend's parents, you know, where it's just like, well, they were raised in a home, like, right after the Great Depression, so they never throw anything away. Yeah. Right? And, like, you hear that kind of thing of, like, but they didn't live through the Great Depression, but their parents did. Right. And so that rippled to them of, like, we have no, I think about this now of, like, you know, I was 18, uh, 17, 18, uh, at 9-11, during 9-11, and it's like, okay, I still see ways in my life that, like, the world kind of changed yeah. in the last 18 years that I'm just used to now mm-hmm. that BB will be experiencing differently and, like, will just be normal to her. And anyways, that's the thing to me is the uncertainty of, like, I have no idea how this affect how this changes the world right i mean it's really hard it's really hard to process it when we don't yet know what it is right like right and it's and it's not done right it's not it's not like well now on the other side of it we can see no i'm worried we're sort of in the and i think we are in the beginning phases of it mm -hmm. i think so too i think so too but and, and so to bring it all back together it's just a matter of like it's weird to be in the middle of it and trying to talk about it in mm-hmm. a way of just like, I don't know. And it also is like, I don't know that I have anything, any new insight to offer. Like, it's weird to be in a time, and this isn't a knock on you as an interview, though I now realize it's going to sound like it is. Oh, but like, I'm, I look forward well, to it. <laughs> yeah. Where it's just like every Zoom call I've gotten on in the last, you know, two months, the like, it's what everyone both wants to talk about and has nothing to say about it. Yeah. Or it's just like, so how are you doing? Yeah, yeah, I wanna. It's just like this huge, like worldwide touchstone that is right. in that is impacting everyone. And at the same time, everyone's kind of at a loss of what mm-hmm. to say about it. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Novel coronavirus, not so novel anymore. I Yeah, um, right. So on my Thursday show, which you I did a version of the Thursday show at the Big Adventure Fest, and you were my guest yeah. um, a, a couple years ago. But that's my group show. And the the I have regulars, but it sort of rotates. But the last two weeks, I had the same people. I had Allie Ward, Jackie Johnson, and my producer, Tony Thaxton. And this so the second time it was that same group, I realized, oh, my God, I just recorded an entire episode, and we barely talked about the quarantine. And yeah. I realized how that's the first time that's happened in so long. Beca- and it was because we were all caught up on how we yeah, all feel right? about it from the week before. And there was something uh, liberating or, or nice about just not talking about it. I mean, are you? what are you guys doing? You're not talking about it very much, right? Oh, wow. On the show? Yeah. No, no. I mean, we, we, 
we made the decision of like we're not going to pretend like it's not happening, mm-hmm. but like so it's it's kind of a secondary thing that'll get mentioned or like we'll talk about like is this a question from the before time or from now? Like we're not shying away from it, but it's not like we're not discussing it right. openly or anything like that. And you know, it's mostly because like. That's not what our show is. Our show is mm-hmm. a distraction. Ours is a dumb, dumb show for <laughs> dumb, dumbs to laugh at and not think about what's going on. And so, like, we just didn't want... That's it, man. It's affecting us. Last week, we, we put out a, a live show because we sat down to record. And, like, we were all like, I, I, I do not have any fuel in the tank right now. Mm-hmm. And, like, we just could not do it. Like... And so, like, we put out a live show instead. And then we came back and we recorded this week, and I think it's really great. I'm really, you know, I think it's a good one that I think people will like. And, you know, but, like, that's self-care for you. You know, sometimes you got to do stuff. I mean, for me, another aspect of this is, like, the the quarantine hobbies that everyone has seemed to pick up. And I'm trying to walk that fine line between, like, I feel like I have more free time, but I don't really, because I'm still doing the same job I was doing before, and add to that a four-month-old, so it's not like I, sun- like, when when this all started way back in March, uh, it, I, <laughs> like, had this, March. last year in March, I had this, like, plan, I was like, oh, I'm gonna do all this spring cleaning that I've been putting off, like, my closet is full of, like, clothes I don't wear and stuff I'm gonna clean. And then it's like, no, wait, you still have two kids, dude. Like, you still have a child. Like, I'd get halfway through, like, emptying it out, and it's like, oh, the baby's crying. I, what am I doing? Right. I'm neglecting my child while I clean my closet. We So at the beginning, we still had our nanny, and we were like, this is actually a, a special, unique time to get all that shit that we've been wanting to do around the house done. And then I don't know how, like week two or however many weeks into it, we realized, okay, we can't, we shouldn't still have our nanny. Um, And that changed how this, that changed this for us in a very significant way because now we are working our jobs and we have no childcare. Um, so our house, we have not, like, we don't have any time to do any projects or anything like that. Yeah. Um, and I'm I did, not, I, I sound like I'm complaining about having to raise my own kids and I am, it is fucking hard. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's okay. Here's the thing. Here's the thing about it. Here's the thing about it is that three, a three-year-old from one and a half to like four is this like dead zone of child raising that sucks because they're like they're almost like they're almost to the point of understanding stuff right they're walking so they're mobile and dangerous both to themselves and to you and to dogs in the house and like they can hurt themselves so they need a lot more attention but they're not in school yet right so there comes a point where it's like once they're in school it's perfectly normal to complain about this. I'm sorry. I just realized, like, I was taking this tone of, like, and these parents. But, like, <laughs> if, if if like, right. If right now you're a parent who's, like, seven-year-old is normally in school and school is canceled in your home and they're like, oh, my God, this is bonkers. You'd be like, oh, I totally understand that you are allowed to be frustrated. Right. And so it's weird that you now sitting here saying, yeah, my child care is not here and I have to take care of my own kid. You feel bad saying that when it's basically the same thing. It's like, it's like if school started at two 
instead of like four or whatever, right? Then you wouldn't feel bad saying like, and now he's home and I'm having to deal with it. Yeah, it's like, yeah, dude, it, it is this dead zone time of like. What do I do with them? Right. While I sit at my computer, especially when you have jobs like ours where it's like amorphous mm-hmm. and it's like, I feel this or it's like I'm editing something and I'm like, well, it's Monday and this doesn't have to go until Thursday. So I could stop and like pay it. But it's like, but this is my job. Yeah. And I need to treat it like a job. Right. The, yeah. the juggling and the lack of boundaries. It's hard. Um, and I say that I did find time to bake some sourdough bread the other day. So it's not like I'm completely slammed, you know? <laughs> uh, did BB help you? Uh, a little bit. She's a good stirrer. Mm-hmm. She helps with the stirring. She helped with the eating. She loved it. She slammed it. I, it turned out very well. Uh, and she like ate it for breakfast, lunch, and dinner for like two days. Well, good. So I think we should now take some questions that the listeners okay. have sent in. So I'm on Patreon, patreon.com slash Allison Rosen. And I have some questions from there. And I also have some questions from Twitter. And there is a song that Tony will put in. When we ask this and them in, they're wondering how you have been. So thanks so much for answering these questions from our fans. For a second, I thought you were saying someone sent a song to me. And I was like, what? Oh, that would be amazing. Okay. I'm sorry that I got your hopes up. That's okay. Somebody, uh, a couple of people, as part of the Gish scavenger hunt, uh, a lot of people made uh portraits of me out of like garbage they were beautiful <laughs> and somebody uh just like drew a picture of me the other day i sorry i i like when people draw pictures of me because i'm a narcissist and i like to see drawings of myself it's not important that's just a fun true fact let's talk okay let's talk about that for a second before we get to the questions because i wanted to ask about this um so well, just full disclosure normally when i have someone back on the podcast i go back and i listen to their episodes when they were on my show before so that our conversation can start like can build on that one and so that i'm not asking the same questions uh and then usually they're like wow you have an amazing memory and and i do or i don't tell them why i remember all these details uh-huh. because of aforementioned Raising my own children. I have not had time to go back. Although I do remember a lot of things from when I had you on previously. But something that was kicking around my mind, when you were on the Big Adventure episode, we did a Travis quiz where we try to see who knows you best. And you revealed that a therapist had diagnosed you with narcissistic personality disorder, right? Correct. Um, And I just... I, I well, that I was a narcissist. I don't know that... I don't remember. I, it's been a while now. She confirmed that I was a narcissist, so I assume that means yes, that narcissistic mm. personality disorder was included in there. But there, I don't know. Like there, you can be narcissist. Someone can be narcissistic without having a personality disorder. Okay, so so question mark on yes. whether it's NPD or just narcissist. You are, but you sure. but you consider yourself a narcissist. I'm a I'm a recovering narcissist. Yes, I, I refer to myself now as a narcissist. <laughs> So how does this, I have a a few questions. How does this manifest? How are you recovered? And were you bummed to find, were you bummed to receive this diagnosis? No, actually, when I, when I received that diagnosis, I actually found it comforting in a way. Cause it was like, cause the thing is, it's like anytime I would publicly say like, I'm a nice to this, people were like, no, you're not. You're too nice. You're too great. And I was like, okay, but trust 
trust me, mm-hmm. this thing. And, like, the thing is, is, like, I'm very superficially charming and, like, all these illusions of grandeur, like, all of these things. Because for me, it had just been, like, I, from, like, I studied psychology for a while and, like, was going to get my master's in it before I remembered I didn't like school. <laughs> and, like, I, like, I check mark like, almost all the criteria for it in the DSM. And um, so getting the the like confirmation of it from my therapist was like, okay, great. Um, but the thing is the recovery comes of like, it. it's a lot of work. I mean, at therapy, um, working like Teresa was the first person that I ever like knew I loved more than myself. Mm-hmm. That like, I mean, in that if a situation was presented in which I could see, I, I would think about, not just what I wanted, but like what would be the thing I could do that would make her happy, whether I want to do it or not, and then I would do it. Mm-hmm. And like I had to think about it pretty hard, and like it took a lot of like training and a lot of like uh, re reformatting um, that. But it was like a thing I actively worked on doing because I loved her very much, and I knew when we started dating that I was not a very good partner. Like I had not. I had had, like, one relationship when I was in high school that was, like, a year long. And other than that, like, my next longest relationship was, like, a month or two. Mm-hmm. Just because, like, I was so self-focused that I would just, I was a very performative boyfriend. And I wasn't really taking the other person's experience or, like, happiness mm-hmm. into consideration. I was just doing the things that I thought a good boyfriend does to mm-hmm. show off what a good boyfriend I was. Got it. And so with Teresa, Teresa was a, 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 and still is an amazing communicator. And so like we would talk and like she would say, and I, and I, for the first time would listen. And like, for example, there were, like she said, like, there are times when I want you to be like a a boyfriend who, you know, explains like who I will say, I feel this way and you try to make it better. Mm. But sometimes I just want you to be supportive. And so I would just say like, Anytime, like, do you want me to be a supportive boyfriend or do you want me? Because I didn't know. So rather than like assuming I knew, I just asked, right? And so there was a lot of like working on that. And then when BB was born, I love BB so much more than myself that it actually cured my existential dread Mm -hmm. insomnia. Before BB was born, I could not sleep. Like, I would lay down to sleep and I'd be up for hours with a voice in my head saying, like, someday you'll die. Mm. Um, and, like, I, if someone would, like, I remember once being at a stand-up comedy show where the comic made a joke about death. And I had, like, a panic attack and had to, like, leave the theater and sit in the thing. And then when BB was born, I suddenly found myself caring so much more for someone that wasn't me, that my focus was not on myself and my own experience and, like, what a terrible world this would be without me, (laughs) but instead focused on, like, her experience and, like, making sure she was okay and happy and all that stuff, that it was, like, a really uh, transformative kind of process for me of, like, suddenly understanding what it was to have that focus exist outside of yourself Mm -hmm. in such a way that, like, like, for example... Stop. This seems so tiny and petty, but like turning off a TV show I'm watching because she wants to watch something else, not even a thing for me. And like that is huge for me. Like that there is like this idea of like, oh, well, I was going to lay here and play video games, but you want to go outside and play. Let's go outside and play. Like there is no hesitation most of the time. 
uh, for me. And like, that's the kind of thing I'm actively like working on is decreasing the amount of time of hesitation of those things of like that. I am not the most important thing that the decisions I make, um, all of that, that my experience is not the end all be all to determine whether it is a good day or everything is going well or whatever is that it is okay for me to have a little bit less of a good time Mm -hmm. if it means everyone else is having a better time. And that took me a long fucking time to like wrap my head around my, like for a long time, it was hard for me to remember that other people were out in the world doing stuff when Mm. I wasn't there. Mm. Like it was hard for me to wrap my head around the fact that people would be having experiences, eating food, watching things, doing anything when I didn't see them. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that is a, a thing that I'm actively like working on is that other people's experiences are as important as my own, if not sometimes more important. Was that uh, part of uh, armchair, armchair psychiatrist over here? Uh, no training uh, and inaccurate. Um, was that part? Do you think that could have, have been part of why you couldn't sleep? Because like, if you close your eyes, then the world, then every, then everyone does. I mean, yeah, that, that is legitimately like my, my fear was that the, God, and it sounds so terrible to say now, but it took me a long time to realize that this is what I was worried about, is that when I died, the world would end. Mm -hmm. Is that I would die and I could not wrap my head around the fact that if I died, other people's experiences would continue, that the world would be able to keep moving on in such a way that, like... Did you feel a responsibility? I mean, yeah, yeah, but, like, that, like, but not... Not more in a way of like, am I doing enough? Like with the time I have, because mm-hmm. when the when I when I die, the world ends. Right. And so then, when when BB was born, I was like, the world will not end when I die. She will continue. Uh, and I don't know if that's a healthy way to look at it or not. But more, her experience continues long after I'm here. So what? Right now, my job is not to worry about me, but to worry about her and make sure I am setting her up for a good life, whether I'm there or not, and mm-hmm. all of those things. So, and now with baby Dot, there's even more of my focus outside of my own body and making sure that the the human beings in my house uh, and in my life uh, are are happy. Whether they're around me or not. Uh, so my recovery is still happening and still a thing I focus on more and more. Um, and how how does all this impact your relationship with your brothers? Um, I, I've gotten better at understanding them. Because, like, not only are we, like, friends and brothers, we're also, like, coworkers and, mm. and you know, co-managers of this business that we've built. And so there are times where, like, there's something that sounds fun to me that I want to do. And they're like, I think we should pass on that. And, you know, I'll sometimes still, now I'm 36 years old, and sometimes I'll still have the same kind of, like, childish reaction I did when, you know, I was 12. And it's like, but I want to. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, okay, I want to. But they have whole lives that have nothing to do with me. And, like, they are thinking about their families and those experiences and the decisions they have to make for them. And the thing is, is most of the time, in hindsight, they're right. Like, it just sounded fun but was not a good business decision or whatever. But, like, you know, I also now hear BB saying it the same way I used to. Where she's like, I want to stay or I want to, like... 
you know, not nap or eat that or go outside in the rain. And it's like, well, you can't. She's like, but I want to. Yes. And it's like, okay, yeah, totally. I totally get that you want to, but there is a list of reasons why you shouldn't. And like, so it's that kind of thing. So it's it's mostly like I'm trying to be a little more, uh, not even understanding, but just like give myself that breath of like, before I react, why don't I like think about why they might be saying no? And maybe it's not just to spite me. <laughs> maybe it's not just to deny me what I want. Right. Right. Um, okay. So. This question came in on Patreon. Whitney C says, what's the sound that puts your teeth on edge? And also oh, yeah. what's a sound that relaxes you? So I'll start with the sound that relaxes me. It's my favorite ASMR trigger and it's uh hand sounds. It's mm-hmm. like people doing this or like finger flooding. It's there's something about like putting on lotion. No, just dry oh. hands. <laughs> I know. Listen, I know that's my thing, um, <laughs> but it's that ASMR hand sounds relaxes me to know. And the, the thing that sets my teeth on edge, and I'm trying to remember, I think it's reticulated. I can't remember, but it's like, if you ever, if you went to school in the nineties, kids will get this, but like there, there were those, uh, like things and they were kind of like hologram pictures. And as you move them, the picture would like move Mm -hmm. and it was like ridged. So when you ran your, Oh yeah. Huh? That that so like even the sound just, of rubbing your hands over it. Even just describing it just made my skin crawl. But what about like us- rubbing fingers on on stiff jeans? Because that to me is uh, similar. That doesn't bother me, but like nylon sleeping bags. Yeah, that that sound. Yeah, that it, that's a very similar sound. But then it makes this like <laughs> ah, it literally just set my teeth on edge. <laughs> it literally just made the tips of my teeth hurt. Uh, okay, Mindy says, cosplays of your characters are fairly common at nerd culture conventions. Have you mm-hmm. ever interacted with one of them and they didn't know who you were? Alternately, was there a costume that went above and beyond what you expected? First of all, okay, it's my favorite thing to do because I love I, 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 I love going to conventions not just as a creator but as, a, as an audience member too because it was a thing that when I was a, like – a too cool for school like young adult i like didn't want to be considered a nerd or whatever so i didn't go so now if i'm at like i make time to walk the corner floor and i go shopping and i do all that stuff and if i see somebody like dressed in cosplay from my stuff i'll go and be like that's a great merle that's a great and like i really ah, i like seeing them register who i am uh-huh. but i did that once at gen con and i walked up and tapped someone on the shoulder and said that's a great taco and they turned around and screamed so loud <laughs> that everyone in like a 20-foot radius like turned like ready to fight me and i was like i'm so sorry so and they're like oh my god it's you it's you and they're like excited it was an excited scream but it sounded like i was murdering them <laughs> um once they go above and beyond uh yeah, I mean, for me, it's always somebody who has, like, taken a character that, like, no one's ever done. Like, I'm trying to remember exact, but I'm sure if I did, I'd be leaving so many other people out. But basically, anytime anyone does Magnus, it makes me really happy. Um, uh, oh, you know what? It's when people do really great Phoenix Fire gauntlets. 
there's this like gauntlet that's like this super powerful thing that's like incredibly destructive and i've seen people like wire it with like leds and stuff so that it lights up with fire on their hands it's incredible a lot of this is the language i don't understand where are these characters i know you do uh dungeon master stuff like where where are these characters from they're from the adventure zone okay which you do with your dad yes uh, my dad and my brothers and i right okay um Uncle Todd, so now from Twitter, Uncle Todd wants to know, what's it like to be such a handsome man? I'm asking for an ugly friend. Okay, that ugly friend is me, but I'm still curious. You know, here's the thing, Todd. One, I don't want to hear you put yourself down like that. Because if you had asked me when I was, uh, I don't know, well, anywhere from like 9 to 17 or then like 22 to 25, I would have told you that I felt ugly too. And what I came to realize is a lot of the time what people respond to there are there are human beings on this earth that for whatever reason have features that everyone can look at and say, That person is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Like they are just like for whatever reason in the in the time period that we live in now and the aesthetic that is the chosen favorite right now in the time period in which you exist, they have those qualities and you look at them and you're like Yes. Uh, and like you see pictures of them forever. And it's like since they were like 12, they have been gorgeous all the time. And then there are other people where you look at them and it's like everyone agrees that they're handsome. Right. But if you analyze their features too much, you're like, I don't know why. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, sure. Yes. But why? Who knows? And what that is, is I think two things. One, a lot of it is confident. Well, three things. A lot of the reasons that we think uh, a lot of celebrities are handsome or beautiful or whatever, no matter how they look, is because everyone has agreed that they do. And so once everyone has agreed that someone is attractive, no one really analyzes it all that much. But the other thing is confidence of just like, yeah, that person carries themselves, they walk, they make eye contact, they approach, they have a personality that says, I'm beautiful. And the third thing is knowing yourself in such a way that you are are kind of highlighting yourself, right? Like, for example, I grew the beard because, like, I had, you know, blemishes and shit, and I got sick of covering up, so I grew a beard, and it really works for me. And for a long time, I wore contacts, and then one day, I got a scratch on my eye and had to wear my glasses for a while, and I realized, like, oh, glasses complement my face better. And, like, I dyed my hair purple, and I thought, oh, this complements my face. I pierced my ears. All oh, this complements... Like, all of these things are not inherent. They are not... Like, I started dressing in a way that made me feel comfortable and beautiful. I painted my fingernails because I thought it was attractive, right? These are not things I was born with. Mm -hmm. This is not something that no person can achieve. This was things that, like, made me feel better about myself. And so when I am taking photos of myself or I'm walking, you know, through a convention center or I'm doing live shows or doing videos or whatever, I am doing all the things that make me feel beautiful. And so people respond to that in that way. Are the tattoos part of that, or are the tattoos? I mean, more yes like- and no. I, 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 I think I look great. With that. Listen, Allison, I'm not going to lie. There are some days when I get out of the shower and I just look at my torso in the mirror, much like the dude from Memento. But for me, I'm thinking, 
I look really great. Um, but every tattoo I have tells some kind of story, mm-hmm. too. So, like, they're all important to me in a way that, like, I love seeing them on my skin because it's, like, this is a, a bit of a, like, story to me where each one means something and it reminds me of something that's important to me. Right. Um, okay. E wants to know what podcast is his favorite to record? Oh, which one's my favorite to record? Um, who? All, all of them are great in their own way. Um, Adventure Zone is fun because the storytelling is great and like I only kind of know what's going to happen in each episode. So it's like really exciting to just play the game and hang out with my brothers and my dad. My brother, my brother, me is great because like, Every episode we're laughing is like, I've never, we've never recorded an episode where at some point we didn't crack up about Mm -hmm. something. And like, Schmanners is great because I just like learning things and my wife is a really good teacher. And like, I I have really, like, of all the shows I've ever done, Schmanners is the one where I think I've come out the other end, like, being a better human being for recording it. And like, Schmanners, more than anything, taught me about etiquette and like the truth about etiquette here's the big reveal i'm just gonna spill the beans right here it is not about judging other people it is about giving you like all of the materials you need to navigate awkward social situations Mm. so basically manners is like a guidebook of like okay so you're at a party you don't know anyone and you want to leave but the host you know you haven't talked to the host yet Here's six things you need to do right. so that you can leave and not feel bad about it. It has nothing to, like, there are people who will use etiquette to judge other people. But what it's really meant to do is, like, you have no idea what to do. Mm. Here's six things to keep in mind so that you can get through this holiday party at work without worrying that you're making a fool of yourself. Uh, so they're all, I guess, short answer, they're all great. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Cami Stowell says, says, I have a theory that every adult human is either a laundry person or a dishes person. Which one is Travis? I am a laundry person and you are absolutely correct. Same. I'm a laundry person. I, I will do the dishes and I do often do the dishes because it is a thing I can do to help. But I love doing laundry. Laundry is very methodical. Um, what I like doing about doing laundry is when done right. There's a beginning, middle, and end to laundry, whereas dishes seems to be a thing you're constantly <laughs> doing, right? Where it's just like laundry is like, well, I'm not going to wash one t-shirt and one pair of pants, mm-hmm. right? You wait till it builds up. But with dishes, you're like, well, now the the sink is full of pans. I'm a failure. Yeah. It's never it's never really done. Uh Let's see. Lawn says, Travis, I am restoring my first piece of furniture from my dad's Mm -hmm. old bar he owned and have never done that before. You mentioned you built things when in theater. Any advice for a total beginner? Oh, boy. Uh, So I'll tell you exactly how I would go about it. Uh, YouTube. Deep, deep YouTube dives. That's what I do now. When it's like I I smoked a brisket for the first time on my gas grill during the isolation and like... There was a lot of, like, YouTube research that went into that. Um, doing the sourdough bread, I did a lot of online research. Um, I, I I like to build up a, like, reservoir of completely contextualist, no, with, without, whatever, without context knowledge, so that then when I am faced with, like, a confusing thing while I'm actually doing the thing, I'm like, wait, I remember something. Oh, yeah, it's this. Um, but I would also start by like 
just staring at the piece of furniture and figuring out what you want it to look. Don't start until you know how you want it to end. Um, and like I, I reupholstered chairs and stuff uh, with with the the um, at the theater and like always start by like knowing what fabric you want it to be and what color you want it to be when it's done. Also, man, I'd have it appraised before you do anything because I've watched mm. a lot of Antiques Roadshow <laughs> and people bring shit in and they're like, "Well, this would be ten thousand dollars, but you wiped off the patina, so it's worth two hundred. Get it appraised if it's like old in any way. Don't fuck it up." Yeah, that is a really good thing that I would have not thought uh, to recommend. Okay, and then Robin says, would you rather go to space or the deepest point of the ocean? Neither. Uh, no, okay, the ocean, um, only, and I, not that it's much better, but if I was in space and there was an issue with my ship, I know that it's much harder to get that back safely then, like, if I'm deep in the ocean and there's a problem with my ship, I just have to go up and hope I survive the rapid ascension up, right? But at least I'm still on Earth, where hypothetically it's a lot easier for them to get me help than if I'm in space and just sending someone to help me is like a billion-dollar endeavor, mm. right? At least I've, I'm on the ocean Sending ships out is something people do every day, and like helicopters can reach me and shit. Um, but the answer is neither, because I hate the idea of being trapped and being like, well, there's nothing I can do. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, death. No, I don't care for either of those. I'm and, and I know what you're you. saying. Maybe they're. Pre- I, I also would point out, I don't know what this says about me, but the question was not, and something goes wrong. But right. that is immediately where my brain went to. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was just more like which is more appealing to you. The answer is neither. Right. I'm yes, because I'm a fixer, and there would be a solution in neither of those circumstances if something went wrong, and I yeah. don't care for that. Uh, Travis, it's been delightful catching up with you. Thank you, you too. Uh, thank you. Here, I'll pull back the curtain a little bit. I asked Allison if I could come on the show. I texted her like, "Please let me come on your show. I miss you." And I, so I'm so excited to be here. But honestly, I was so happy you did because literally, and I know people say shit like this all the time, but I am being 100% sincere. Literally, when I received that text, I was sitting here in front of my computer thinking, I should book, who should I get on the show? I should book people. Like, I've been having sort of a, um, this is pulling back the curtain too much. I have been having my husband Daniel on the show on Mondays, which is normally when I have one-on-ones because I have just felt this sort of lack of motivation to book. And like, I haven't, I've been worried that it's not going to feel the same if it's a remote, even though this actually felt really good with you. Um, Thank you. Yeah. But you're, you're a pro though. I mean, they're, everyone's Uh, a pro though. I don't know. So I've just been like doing sort of the easy, comfortable thing. Not everyone's a pro. Allison, not (laughs) everyone's a pro. You and I are two of like the few existing full-time podcasters That's true. on earth. There are still people now who podcast where I'm like, yeah, come on the show. I'll call you. And they're like, oh, I don't have any way to record. And I'm like, what? And they're like, oh, I go to a studio. And I'm like, what? You don't have a microphone in your house? And the answer is no. I actually, okay, so I, and I'm not going to say who it is. Um, but I had like a pretty, a, 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 a good solid guest who has a project she's promoting, uh, booked. And then I unbooked her slash s- 
put a temporary freeze on it because she doesn't have any equipment. And I was like, I just can't, I can't, I can't roll the dice and use the zoom audio because it might not be good. But I've yeah. been feeling like, did I make a mistake? Because maybe I, well, you know what? She's like going to supposedly get a microphone and it'll be okay. But I feel okay. like maybe I should just do what other people are doing. And like, if it's a good guest, just have them on regardless of the audio quality. No, listen, I'll tell you this. And this is, I'm giving away a little bit of the milk for free, but I am of the opinion that a good guest will never make up for like unlistenable audio. Like the thing is, is like right. have a good guest is like great, but if you can't understand them, then who cares? Right. Yeah. No, all it really does for you then is like other people are like, oh, they, that was a good guest, but your actual right. listeners, I don't know. Right. Um, yeah. So anyway, I was sitting here feeling like I should push myself to have guests on the Monday show. Um, oh, who should I reach out to? And, uh, and then, like, right then I got your your text. And I'm like, oh, I could, perfect. I could feel it. I <laughs> fell across the universe waves of, like, someone needs me. You were – it's so true. You were needed. And it's – I don't know if you if you guys have this um, on shows where you have guests. But, like, occasionally there are people who reach out to you and they say, can I come on? And you're just like – and it's it's such a nice relief when it's, like, someone that you would want to have on in a heartbeat. Yeah. But it's so awkward when you don't. You know, it's like, <laughs> oh, true. no. Ooh. I know. No, thank you. <laughs> Not that that's ever happened to me. No, never. I'm sure. Um, tell people uh, where they can find your shows and you. Uh, well, the easiest way is probably to go to McElroy.family. M-C-E-L-R-O-Y dot family. Uh, that's where all of our shows are. You can find My Brother, My Brother, and Me, uh, which is the advice show that we don't really give advice that I do with my brothers and the adventure zone, uh, which is an actual play podcast where we primarily play Dungeons and Dragons, but we've played a bunch of different other RPGs too. And it's me and my brothers and our dad and then Schmanners, which is the etiquette podcast I do with my wife, Teresa, where we talk about the history of some things and then talk about how they still apply today and answer questions. Uh, we're, we're doing one, uh, it was supposed to come out this week, but we had to push it to next week. Uh, that's all about like video conferencing etiquette. Uh, and it's like all questions. So I think that one's going to be really useful for oh, people. I've got to um, check that out. And, uh, yeah. And I'm also at Travis McRoy on Twitter. If anybody wants to follow me there, I'm, I'm pretty great on Twitter. I post a lot of stuff. It's a good follow. It's a good follow. It's, it is. I've been impressed with your cooking. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm getting really good at it. You have the time, sort of. Um, and uh, follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Allison Rosen. Listen to my other podcast, Childish. Uh, it's my parenting-ish podcast. And I'm on Patreon and Cameo. And the video from this will be up. I've been posting my videos up. The video of the show is up on Patreon. So patreon.com slash Allison Rosen. Um, Travis, it was so delightful. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Listeners, thank you for listening. I love you. Goodbye. Hey, do you know... And Rose and Show. We had a good time, but now we gotta go. Yeah, Alice and Rosie.